The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, a couple things to talk to you about. First, Draft.com. If you are into daily fantasy sports, you got to try out Draft. It is snake-style drafts just the way you like them. They've introduced best ball drafts over the last year, and the football ones are ramping up. They have a $25 entry, million-dollar winner, best ball draft. Tons of great stuff. And if you're new to draft, go uh, use promo code SD Sports. SD as in dog sports. And you get a free $3 entry into any tournament of choice. It could be a snake style, it could be a best ball, an auction draft, you name it. They got it. Football, baseball, basketball, golf, so much awesome stuff at draft.com. So promo code SD Sports gets you a free $3 tournament of your choice. Also, if you give a rating and review on iTunes, I'd much, much appreciate it. Really help the podcast go to bigger and better things. So uh, if you give a couple minutes of your time, I'd much appreciate it. But until then... This is Ben Bubba, episode 175, with Mike Werner of FWFB. back everybody to another episode of benched with bubba episode 175 got a reoccurring guest on the show you can find his work over at friends with fantasy benefits and much much more he's on twitter at mike werner fwfb mike how we doing man doing great bubba appreciate you having me on second year in a row i'm pretty stoked yep i'm pumped to have you it's always a good time talking with you and all the friends and fantasy benefits guys and i try not to get you know people on too close to when they were on before but it was time to have you back, so I'm glad we can make this work. And before we get started, it's kind of a weird episode because it's not like there's crazy things going on around the world. So we're just going to kind of hit on some news and some kind of random players and kind of free flow it for a little bit. But uh, let everybody know what you got going on. I know there's, I know you have like some baseball HQ stuff and and some other things. So let everybody know what you got going on. Yeah, so I co-own Friends of Fantasy Benefits with Justin Mason and Matt Thompson. We've owned the site now for probably, I think it's five, maybe six years now. At this point, um, we do a baseball podcast semi-weekly. Uh, we also have four or five other podcasts that go weekly as well. A ton of written content. Um, a lot of really good people are part of the site now versus a couple of years ago. So a lot of uh, people that write for and contribute to other sites as well. Um, I also do the Roto Write-Up on Fangraphs with Justin, who also does that as well. And then um, I do the daily matchups column on BaseballHQ.com. That's every Monday. That's the lone thing I do that's behind a subscriber paywall. So um, Baseball HQ is very, very, very much worth it, though. So if you uh, like daily matchups type stuff, DFS, I know you're into that, Bubba. Um, that's uh, one of the main things um, on D- uh, based off DFS stuff that uh, Baseball HQ offers. So, yeah, check that out. Cool. Yeah, everybody go check out all of Matt's, uh, uh, Mike's work. Sorry, sorry. Mike's work. That's uh, really good stuff there. And uh, let's get into the fun stuff. As uh, we mentioned, the, the, the great one here is Carlos Correa. 
Let's be real, people. He did not get injured his ribs getting a massage unless he's getting a, you know, Robert Kraft massage. Maybe that was what happened. But um, I, I don't know. I've had many massages. And, uh, yeah, no. I, I, the ribs to be out four to six weeks or longer, pretty crazy. So we'll start with Carlos Correa first. What do you do? Like, you, you can't drop him. But say you're in an FPC-style league and you're loaded with injured players. What do you do with Carlos Correa right now? Um, I mean, you can't drop them like you mentioned, so you're going to have to really just kind of pan the waiver wire and find a replacement. And it's it's just tough. And it, it depends on what format you're in. It, first off, this injury with Correa is absolutely obscene. When I saw this, yes. I was literally laughing. And it's rare for me to read something and like start laughing out loud. But I literally was laughing out loud because I feel like Carlos Correa is one of like maybe 10 players that this could happen to. So of course, you know, somebody who was actually doing pretty decent this season and kind of starting to resurrect his value a little bit, despite not really having different skills, um, just <laughs> finally goes down four to six weeks. I mean, we didn't assume he would get injured, but this is where we are. As far as like actual options, you're going to have to dig a little bit. Um, you know, I do do the roto write up and, you know, I offered a couple of recommendations yesterday and those were depending on your format. I mean, Derek Dietrich and um, ESPN formats is still only like 38% owned. So for some reason he is still out there then, you, you definitely need to go, um, you know, he's second base eligible. So not necessarily shortstop, but if you have another option, then there you go. You can slot him in. Um, Dini Hechevaria and Anna only, I, I posted, you know, just because he has a little bit of pop, a little bit of speed, and he has a little bit of an opportunity to play in the short term. Not a sexy name at all, um, but that's that's kind of where we are as well. Um, outside of that, Orlando Arcia has a little bit of stolen base possibilities. He has a little bit of hit skill as well. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. has been red hot since returning from the minor leagues. Um, he's probably my most added of the group based on the leagues I play in. I usually play in 15-team mixed or um, you know mono formats, NL or NL only, or deep dynasty formats. Um, so those are a lot of the guys. Howie Kendrick also has like really changed a lot of what he's been doing and he's been pretty interesting to me as well. Again, a guy that's eligible, like second, first, third base, not a shortstop. Um, Luckily we have had some luck with some of the shortstops in fantasy this year. So we've been kind of helped out in that regard. But if you're looking just for middle infield help, that's not amazing, but there's still, I think it can get you by for the next like month or six weeks. Yeah. I'm with you. Shortstops luckily, but so deep this year and it sucks with Correa because I was really hoping he'd, uh, you know, have his renaissance and come back because he's been so hurt the last few years. Reports where he was healthy, and he came back and he looked, you know, pretty good. He's getting close to the cray of old, and then to get your ribs cracked, getting a massage—that is something special, right there. <laughs> That's been some uh, real deep tissue. <laughs> yeah, real deep tissue, like happy deep tissue. That was pretty crazy. Um, it, it, it brings me back to as a Giants fan, like Jeff Kent breaking his wrist washing his truck stuff like yeah. that it's just <laughs> yeah Blake Stellar uh injured or broke his toe earlier in the season from something stupid like um I think Chris Sale hurt himself a couple years back with something stupid obviously you have the Trevor Bauer incident with the drone like yeah. there's just all these random <laughs> injuries from stupid little things that you would never I think this kind of takes the cake though I, I don't know am I yeah. wrong this is pretty damn good and, and you know in an era where it's hard to kind of hide the facts of life if the truth ever comes out on this, I can't wait. Like, it, it's going to be amazing. It, it might be – someone might have got paid a lot of money to keep this one quiet, but if we ever get the real story, it's going to be absolutely amazing. <laughs> it's like, like a Good Morning yeah. America interview. You just, like, wake up one day, and all of a sudden you just see, like, on the bottom little banner, like, Carlos Correa's masseuse. <laughs> and <it's laughs> yeah, and, and, she'll be, and she'll be blacked out, so you can't see her face. <laughs> yeah, and her voice and the, the voice is all crazy, yeah. <laughs> It'll be amazing, absolutely amazing. Um, called up like, for Correa being out is Miles Shaw. And, you know, many are Strock. I can't even read right now. Uh, Miles Straw. Many might not even know who the guy is, but one thing that he is is decent batting average guy and speed for days. He stole 70 bases in the minors last year, 38 the year before. Uh, he's probably going to get a lot of playing time right now. They also called up Jack Mayfield a couple of days ago uh, when Oledemus uh, Diaz went down. Altuve's rehabbing. He'll be back soon, so Mayfield might go back down. Or Straw will. We don't know. But do you have any insights on maybe, uh, you know, trying to get a speedster in Straw while he's up here? Yeah, I mean, that is 
that's obviously his main skill is speed. And, you know, you look everywhere. I, I mean, I saw a couple of clips. I haven't really watched a lot of them. I'm not going to you know sit here and act like I'm an expert on Miles Straw. But um, everywhere that you do read about him is saying that he is incredibly fast. And obviously, 70 stolen bases in a minor league season is incredible. Right now, I would kind of treat him as just a short-term platoon option. Because, I mean, he didn't start yesterday. And he only has, I mean, I think in a limited sample sample size right now in nine games, he only has 10 plate appearances. So I don't think he is going to really get much of a role at all. Um, I think right now he's probably an NL or AL only, like maybe cheap source of speed. And, you know, maybe he gets you a couple while he's up. Um, You know, that's, I think right now, Derek Fisher is really the one that's getting a lot of the playing time in the outfield. And obviously Tyler White, is uh, playing a lot of first. They've just kind of shifted Alex Bregman to shortstop. Yulieski Groyel is at uh, third base. And then Ledmus Diaz and George Springer are both uh, kind of on the mend at this point and coming back. So I think really Straw is not somebody that we're going to be looking for a lot from. Um, with that said, I mean, in, especially in dynasty formats, he kind of reminds me a little bit of like maybe like a Billy Burns light when Billy Burns was actually serviceable at the beginning of his career. Uh, just somebody that can you know provide some speed, won't play every day, but if he pinch runs – then he can possibly steal you two bags in you know less than ten minutes of play. So um, with that said, like I, I'm interested, but not really much for just regular redraft leagues this year. What a blast from the past, Billy Burns. Good times <laughs> right there. I I bet you over half of the listeners on this podcast will have no clue who Billy Burns is. Really? I, that, I, I hope I, not. I hope, I, I'd hope not too. I'm with you, but that's one of those names that uh, I love it because yeah, he was that little speedster that, that got it done and about all he did so yeah that's a great it, it really is about, about all he did yeah yeah that, that's a great comp right there pre-launch uh, angle billy birds what if what about post-launch angle billy birds i wonder what that looks like maybe three home runs and yeah, 40 so if, if he developed a launch angle it also require a, a piss test after every home run billy burns yeah <laughs> well the juice fall you never know but um let's go to the boston red sox mitchie four bags goes on the il with the lower back strain Hopefully it's not too serious. For me, it just signals Steve Pierce will play more. He's starting to heat up of late. Um, any concerns with Mitch Moreland? Because back problems can be a pain. Um, You know, I don't know really. Moreland's fine for me. Like, I, I've always actually been pretty, pretty much a big fan of Moreland. He does very well against right-handed uh, pitchers. I don't really know what the prognosis is on this. I haven't seen anything like incredibly definitive. So if I'm assuming that he's going to be out, say three weeks, then that gives enough of an opportunity for somebody like, you know, Steve Pierce to get some run. Also Michael Chavez shifted over to first base the other day. Uh, Brock Holt has been activated. So he's been playing a little bit. Um, Eduardo Nunez is also going to play a significant role as well. So I think that this is going to be a lot of mix and match as far as Moreland goes. I'm not holding him. If I'm in a 12 teamer, if I'm in a 15 teamer, I'm still kind of on the fence. It can it would depend kind of on the options out there, um, especially in ESPN where like, you know, somebody like Howie Kendrick is available. I would probably drop him for Howie Kendrick just to get some stats in the meantime. I, I don't know why I'm a big fan of Howie Kendrick, but I am hey, right I, now. I was a big fan. I picked him up in TGFBI like a month ago. I, I'm yeah, loving Howie Kendrick. He's doing well. And um, I think it's legit. Um, yep. So I, with that said, I think that Moreland, you know, when he comes back, then maybe you'll put in another bid on him and get him back on your team. If you, you know, so feel like that, that's the right thing to do. But um, I don't think he's a must keep um, right now. I also think that the Red Sox just based on their offense, it just, they have a lot of options and they have a lot of stopgap options as well. So I, I don't think they really need him to come back fast um, or quickly. I think he's just somebody that they, you know, probably can take their time with a little bit. And despite being, you know, third in the AL East right now, I think they can, you know, still kind of slow play this a little bit and keep some of their other players, uh, you know, just getting some at bats and Michael Chavez being the, the most significant. Yeah. They're, they're only playing for a home wild card game. So they don't have to go to Tampa Bay. That's what they're <laughs> playing for. So they, 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 they can play it safe, I guess. Uh, let's go to San Diego Padres. Did Nelson Lamette, you know, in the past, people have been fans of him or they're not fans. It's kind of a, a wishy-wash when it comes to Lamette. We've seen good stuff and some rough stuff. He had Tommy John surgery last April. He's going to start his rehab, which means he should be back no later than the end of June. Um, could be a nice bolst, uh, a boost to a San Diego Padres rotation. Uh, do you have any desire to, I'm not saying do it this weekend, but maybe in the coming weeks before he comes back, go snag some Danelis and Lamette or just kind of wait and see? Sure. I I think the main thing that he offers is strikeouts. I, you know, in 2017, he lost 140 of them in 114 innings pitched. 
I think that control, I mean, obviously control is the last thing that comes back from Tommy John surgery here. So we probably will need to bake in some time, maybe even the rest of the season before we feel like really confident in Lamette. So this is probably more of a, you know, 2020 play at best, but I am still interested just based on the strikeouts alone. I also really like what San Diego's doing with some of their starters. Uh, Chris Paddock obviously has been great. And, you know, that's not necessarily something development wise that they've, you know, maybe Paddock has just always been special. So, you know, maybe development wise, this wasn't necessarily their fault that this happened, but um, Lucchesi has shown some growth. Matt Strong, has shown some growth. Um, so somebody like Lament, I, I really like um, just in this system because I think that they know what they're doing with their starters. And I think that they can probably get the best out of him. Uh, with that said, I would probably throw a low bid maybe this week. Um, just hoping hoping for the best. Um, I've seen crazier things than somebody coming up from Tommy John and having a couple months of success before calling it quits. Um, I, I don't think we would get more than, I mean, over under what, 12 starts this year? I, I'm still... Yeah, I... I'd say 10 to 12 is probably pretty safe. Yeah, I'd probably go a little under. Yeah, so I mean, you you just make sure whenever you do throw bids out there that that's the way you're thinking. Don't think that you're going to get somebody that's going to throw another 100 innings uh, the rest of the way. And you also could see him when he does come up, if he does get 12 starts, you know, maybe he throws three or four innings the first two or three and then starts to ramp it up a little bit. We'll see how it goes. But overall, I do like the skills a lot. He has a lot of really good – he has really good stuff. 13% swing strike rate last year. He had five strikeouts in two and a third innings in his uh, first rehab start. The control is a little bit of an issue which is why I mentioned that at the top. Um, and he also only had like a 56% first pitch strike rate when he was healthy. So that's a little bit worrisome. But with that said, he's at least worth the dart throw. Yeah, and that's kind of what I was thinking. And what, what we could see when Lamette comes back with the youth in that Padres rotation, we might see a six-man rotation. Yeah, okay, to stretch and definitely out. to help out Paddock as well. Yeah, Paddock, Lucchesi, uh, maybe they keep Quantrill out there too to kind of keep him some MLB experience. Like they could easily stretch that out and then then you're definitely getting no more than probably 12 starts, which is fine because they can be some good starts in that, that West division. I get to face the giants a few times, um, you know, stay out of Colorado. You'll be okay. The Dodgers are scary, but all in all, it's, it's not a bad place to be. All right. Let's talk about the Cleveland Indians. This could be just a complete flash in the pan. He could be back in the minors in no time, but Zach Plesak made his uh, MLB debut recently in Boston, five and a third, four hits, one earned, one walk, two K's looked very good against a very good Boston lineup. Uh, he, he's up for now. We know there's going to be guys coming back. Kluber's going to be back here pretty soon, probably. Uh, eventually, Clevenger comes back, so on and so forth. What's your thoughts on Zach, please? Like, is this just kind of a let it ride type thing, or is he worth a grab for the time being? Yeah, I'm kind of going to let him stay on the waiver wire for now. Um, I just... A, I don't know what his long-term role is. And, you know, if you're picking up a guy that gets another couple of starts and then is back in the minor leagues, then you're kind of flushing money down the toilet. Um, With that said, I mean, obviously somebody that has at least a little bit of skills, somebody that can at least help in the short term for the Indians as a baseball club. But I just don't necessarily think the command and the strikeouts are going to be there right now. I know he didn't walk very many um, against the Red Sox, but I just – I don't know. When I watched him, I was very underwhelmed. Um, I'll just say that. I, I just think that there's – if he were to get another five or six starts, I think that he would possibly get blown up in two, three, maybe four of them. I just – I don't really find him to be that special. Um, with that said, you know, if you're in a deep, deep league, like AL only type format, then, you know, maybe he's somebody that's an option for you. But for now, I'm really kind of just passing him off to the side. Yeah, that's just why I wanted to ask about him because I don't see him sticking too long or being – insanely relevant so i thought it was worth a discussion point uh let's talk philadelphia phillies zach scott kingry is going to get quite a bit of playing time these days between the outfield infield utility roles you know ES- espn he's owning like six percent of leagues yahoo 28 percent of leagues lots of playing time to be had and on the season so far small sample because he's been hurt for a bit he's hit 344 over 23 games with three homers um what's your thoughts on scott kingry because he got the big deal last year didn't really pan out. Maybe, you know, sophomore season time. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I I do really like Kingery, and I think it's hard to take what he's done this year and really make a firm judgment on it. But uh, with that said, he has increased his exit velocity. Um, his launch angle has improved. Um, his barrel percentage is up by a significant amount. His hard hit rate is up by a significant amount. Um, he still strikes out a little bit more than I would like for somebody of his stature. Um, just not necessarily the like biggest player and not the biggest power hitter as well. Um, you know, and right now he's benefiting from like a 440 Babbitt in a limited sample as well. But I, 
I do like him overall because, I mean, a little bit of power, a little bit of speed, that's always right up my alley. I think the Philadelphia lineup is pretty solid as well. He's not going to hit at the top of the lineup, but I think he, he's just somebody that can offer you a little bit in every category and, you know, be – what a 260 270 maybe even 280 hitter uh the rest of the way so i'm i'm in for king of Ring. I, I bought him in a couple of places at the beginning of the year i had to cut bait in multiple spots just because the il is getting insane and you have to you know make do with what you can but i do like king Ray. i think he's worth at least speculating on in whatever leagues he's available uh the, at least the, for the next month maybe a couple of weeks just to see how it goes but i do think king king Ray is more legit than not last season i think is going to be more of an outlier than what we see the next couple of years yeah, I'm with you there. I think we're actually going to start seeing the guy they decided to give an extension to, to pay the money to before his time was up, which uh, we're seeing more and more now. But when it happened last year, it was kind of a surprise thing to do. Um, Devin Smeltzer, the Minnesota Twins just keep coming up aces, except tonight in Tampa Bay. <laughs> but um, Smeltzer goes out there and throws six shutout innings, three hits, seven Ks, no walks against the Milwaukee Brewers. Looked outstanding. He's been kind of hit and miss in the minors, but, you know, a one one five ERA this season has been pretty damn impressive. What's your thoughts on this guy? Because he might stick for a little bit in a rotation that isn't – it's good, but not, like, dominant by any means. Yeah, I picked him up in a couple of places because I think they're going to definitely use him for at least the short term. And, you know, I think the difference between him and, you know, somebody like Plesak is I think the Twins are open to him pitching a little bit longer if he does well. And uh, as you mentioned before, you know, in AAA, you know, posting a 1.82 ERA, um, you know, in the minors, he hasn't really had a ton of significant innings in one season at one place. But um, he was, you know, originally drafted by the Dodgers and somebody that has at least a couple. I like to slider a good amount. His fastball is kind of iffy. I didn't love the command either. Um, but somebody that I'm at least intrigued by right now. And part of it is just because of the Minnesota Twins' success. And I like that they like to, you know, Martin Perez obviously add a cutter. I really like their pitching coach there. Um, you know, obviously he's done some things with Jake Odorizzi as well. Jose Barrios has been awesome. So I, I really, I'm not like full on interested where I'm going to put down, you know, 20% of my fab on him, but I am interested in the sense that I'm going to take a spec ad and check out what happens at least the next start or two. And, you know, obviously Michael Pineda is on the DL right now. We'll see, you know, how long it takes for him to come back. It doesn't seem like it's going to be very long, but, um, either way, I'm a little bit more interested in Smelter than I am with somebody like Plesak. Yeah, no, I think Smelter could be. A little bit much more interesting than police like we could stick if things go right because you know Pineda I don't know things aren't I had high hopes for him and I'm just not seeing it at the time being but uh, we shall wait and see let's go to the St. Louis Cardinals Michael Waka is going to the bullpen Wainwright's been downright bad there's a lot of concern when it comes to the St. Louis uh, pitching staff and you got uh, Genesis Cabrera made the start yesterday you know, people liked kind of his minors profile, but it didn't pan out in his start against Philly. You got Austin Gomber dealing in the PCL, which says a lot about how good he's pitching because the PCL has been a bandbox even more than normal this year. You got Alex Reyes ramping back up as long as he doesn't hit any walls or anything. There, there's there's options in St. Louis. How would you approach this kind of maybe potential openings with some of the youngsters in St. Louis? Yeah, I'm praying that I can get whatever Alex Reyes shares back that I dropped <laughs> at the beginning of the season just because uh, Reyes is obviously on his way back to the majors at some point. And initially, they were going to have him be in the bullpen, but they're changing it over, and he is he is now stretching out as a starter. He's planning on going and um, you know getting a, a AAA outing in on Sunday, I believe. Um, so with that said, I think it's only a matter of time before we see Reyes getting a shot in the rotation. And I think if he comes back up to the Cardinals in the rotation, he's going to be there to stay. And um, obviously somebody like Seamart, I'm grabbing a lot of in the bullpen. I know, you know right now that's you know, where he is and it doesn't really seem like their long-term plan for him is to go into the rotation, but Carlos Martinez and Alex Reyes are the best arms available for the Cardinals in my opinion. And those are the two guys that I'm really kind of leaning on with that said, um, Michael Walker, I mean, he gave up six runs last night and there's just a lot going on with him that's wrong. I, you know, I don't know if there's an injury again or if there's just an issue with his command or mechanics or what, but 
there's obviously something it's just disastrously wrong with with what he's doing so i'm i'm out on michael waka obviously and genesis cabrera also got laid up i don't think he's ready to have a sustained role in the majors quite yet austin gomber is more of like a spot starter for me not somebody that i'm really interested in long term but you are right this um st louis rotation has a lot of issues and it has a couple of openings as well and if i'm going to bank my or stake my claim on a couple of guys it's going to be carlos martinez and alex reyes just based on stuff yeah, Alex Reyes was getting sniped up in the deeper leagues last week. I think that's definitely the guy to have. I keep an eye out on Gomber. I think there's something there. But, yeah, they, they seem to not want to stick with him. Like It's a good point on spot starting because that seemed to kind of be the way it went last year. It could be the way it goes this year unless, you know, maybe it pans out and he starts dealing. So I guess we'll see how it goes. But uh, it's going to be some, some turnover coming in St. Louis here sooner than later unless they want to miss the postseason yet again, which is something they're not used to doing this often. So it'll be a lot of fun watching that whole, you know, Twitter storm burst into flames <laughs> like St. Louis loves to. Uh, last piece of kind of news we'll talk about here. Will Smith, no, not the giant that should be traded here pretty soon. Will Smith, the Dodgers prospect, catching prospect, gets the call, uh, Austin Barnes to the IL. But uh, the question I have for you, because the pedigree is there, the prospect pedigree is very, very good. Obviously, this is the future job for Kyber Ruiz, but he's been struggling a lot this year. So it's Will Smith uh, getting the first call here. Again, really good in the minors. Do you think he sticks, or is this just when Barnes gets back, it's his job? Because Barnes really hasn't been that great either. Yeah, I I don't necessarily think he sticks, but I think there's an avenue for him to stick if he just blows up. You know, if he um, is just out of this world offensively and then does really well defensively as well, then there's certainly an avenue for him to be able to do that. I mean, if you look at the catcher pool right now, it is just super depressing. And I know it was depressing last year as well, but um, it, there is an avenue for somebody to come up and, and do some damage, especially for fantasy as well. Uh, with that said, I'm I'm okay with grabbing Will Smith in probably even 12-team formats if, if you need to, uh, just to see what happens and you know see how often they play him. I think that he's going to get a good amount of run while Austin Barnes is you know, on the IL and everything. And I think in that, amount, in that amount of time, we should be able to see whether he is just able to stick at the catcher position in the major leagues at this point. Do I know whether, I, you know, if I'm banking on him doing so, I doubt it. You know, I don't really think that he's ready to be a significant fantasy contributor right now but um at the same time you know i've seen crazier things happen i usually like catchers as they age um but you know somebody and i did like barnes coming into the year but i just don't you know i I like smith i think he's worth picking up right now i just don't think that the chances are great for him to stick the rest of the year yeah dave roberts did him dirty gets to go face thor and i uh, I believe it was wheeler on tuesday because i think degrom was monday could be wrong could have been degrom and then thor but uh, sits him tonight versus Vargas. So that's that, that's yep. awfully nice of, of Dave Roberts. You know, let the kid have a little batting practice. That'd be good for him. Morale booster. <laughs> yeah. But Dave <laughs> Roberts is fine. So- still there too. I mean, like that's, that's unfortunate. So <laughs> yeah, that's very, very unfortunate. Uh, let's talk about some kind of, you know, hot, cold, just more so just interesting players. Like guys that are on fire, guys that are playing bad, that might be intriguing. Really not a good title to this. Just kind of a smorgasbord of, of people out there right now. We're going to start it off with Honorable Sanchez, who came back and almost had a perfecto going. He went six innings, gave him one hit, one walk, seven Ks in Atlanta on a night where the weather was very hitter friendly. The Nats put up, I think, like 14 runs. Austin Rice hit a granny off the uh, off the reliever for the Nats. Animals had a very rough year, very rough year. Are you buying this start? Or are you saying, nope, there's way too much baggage with this guy? Yeah, I think that he has earned every bit of his rough year thus far. And, you know, I, prior to the season starting, I understood people grabbing him and, you know, just seeing what happened. But he's he's ultimately 35 years old. His stuff, to me, is fairly average. And, you know, I I don't think he'll necessarily be this bad. But, I mean, he, he posted ERAs close to five and even above five for like three straight years prior to 2018. And then all of a sudden comes out of here with a, a two, eight, three ERA um, baseball HQ has a great metric called expected ERA. It's kind of like, you know, other, other places that, you know, DRA XFIP Sierra, stuff like that. And you know, right now he has a 5.24 expected ERA versus a five, a four, four, seven regular ERA. So it tells me that things are, you know, pretty, 
that are pretty fair right now for what he's doing. Um, as far as his actual skills, he's giving up a lot less ground balls, way more line drives, 26% to be exact. And that actually is the same as what he gave up in 2017 when he has 6.41 ERA for the year. Um, the home run rate isn't that crazy right now, but um, you know, just based on the strikeouts, I think he's usable for like NL only because he's you know striking out almost a batter per inning. But outside of that, He's really he's not getting that unlucky, and his BABIP isn't out of out of whack at all, and he's just giving up a ton of home runs and hard contact and line drives. So I, that tells me he's not fooling anybody. His command's not great, and to me, he's just not really somebody that is that useful. Yeah, and I'm not too surprised by this result because you know everyone's all excited when he developed his changeup and you know using a different fastball a little more. All these things that are fine and dandy, but if those things are off, he's pitching batting practice. So really not going to dominate professional hitters. And he faces a very tough division outside of the Marlins. Uh, the Mets are getting better, but you like that Phillies team is going to be facing the Braves. And then, you know, the new reports, how actually hitter friendly national state, uh, park can be. So yeah, not a great situation for animals. So I, I'd stay away. Like you said, unless deeply again, you know, only type deal. You can stream them, have fun with that. All mm-hmm. right. Let's talk about one of the biggest pimps on the planet, whether you like him or not, I don't care. <laughs> But um, Derek Dietrich, he puts on a show. He's got the gold chain. He, he's missing three buttons. Um, everything about this guy is just lights out, entertaining. He's got 17 home runs already on the year. That's one more than his total all of last season. Uh, the, the the Reds signed him to a minor league deal this year. That went panning out quite well. Um, <laughs> They're doing just, all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not bad. Like, you look at all his numbers, there's a lot to like. Obviously, if you look at, you know, X stats, there's going to be regression coming. But as a whole, you mentioned his name earlier for a possible replacement. What are you thinking on Derek Dietrich? Do you still think he has, like, close to this type of production the rest of the way? Or what are you thinking here? I mean, I don't think he has this type of production the rest of the way. But when you look at just especially all of the stat tra- stat stat cast, if I can speak, metrics, he's just crushing it in everything. And, you know, the one thing is obviously his barrel percentage. And that's literally – three times what he did last year. He had a 6.1 barrel percentage last year, and now he's at an 18.3. He's top 10 in uh, barrel percentage overall. Obviously, he's up there in exit velocity as well. Um, just posting career highs in multiple things, launch angle, uh, slugging. All of these um, hard hit metrics are in his favor. Um, with that said, you know he is just overproducing for what he is. There's no way that he's going to be a 40 home run guy. Um, always had some power, always been interesting to me. Um, I think the rest of the way, like a safe, uh, you, you also have Scooter Jeanette coming back too. And I don't know what that does. Um, I'm actually, I mean, Joey Botto, I'm actually I'm a little worried about his long-term, not necessarily his role in him playing, but I am worried that he's going to start seeding some at-bats to Dietrich. And, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll just get more interesting when Jeanette returns, but um, with Dietrich, I do think like maybe a baseline rest of season projection that's fair is another 15 home runs and uh, 250 to 270 batting average. Never been somebody that's crazy good in that category. But, um, you know, I, I do believe in his power. I think he's going to end up hitting over 30 home runs this season for the first uh, over 20 for the first time in his career. And um, I do believe in all of his um, you know, launch angle changes and all of his power metrics as well. I just think he's going to regress when it comes to, you know, the home run to fly ball rate and things like that. And he's not going to obviously have these type of runs the way he's been having them, but uh, bravo to anybody that picked him up a couple of weeks ago and just kind of rode it out because you've literally, um, if you have somebody like Cody Bellinger on your team with somebody like this um, and, and have gotten oh, yeah. lucky wow. in a couple other places, then um, I applaud you. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's gritty. That's quite gritty on that person, but still 15 more <laughs> homers would be outstanding this year. Like you said, over 30 home runs. Um, you know, he's doing what Daniel Murphy did a few years ago. He bought into the launch angle. He's changing all that up. He's doing what, like, Joey Bats did and said, screw it. I'm going to swing as hard as I can, try to hit the ball as far as I can. I don't worry about batting average or any of that. He's in Great American Small Park. Like, it, it, it all lines out to be pretty darn entertaining. And you mentioned Joey Votto. Um, like, it, it's not pretty. Like, looking at his at-bats, he doesn't look normal at the plate. Um, all the, you know, advanced metrics and advanced stats and stat cast numbers and all that good stuff. They don't sound promising. I've had people ask me, and I'm pretty sure they probably asked you guys, are, are you dropping Joey Votto? 
Um, I'm willing to, yeah. In a 15-team league, I'm definitely willing to. If somebody is on the waivers that I'm more – I mean, even with Dietrich, I would be happy to drop – I mean, not happy. I'd be actually very upset and probably take some time to really think about my <laughs> life and what has happened <laughs> to drop Joey Lotto from there, Dietrich. But that is the the landscape we're in. I mean, you you said it's not pretty. You know, we talked about it a couple weeks ago on the Friends of Fantasy Benefits pod, like – I don't believe that Votto is worth using, especially in 12-team formats right now. But in 15-teamers, it's just – it's too rough. I mean, there, what is he – he's not offering you power. He's not offering you really anything except for, like, a solid walk rate. And, you know, if he's not going to hit for batting average, then what do we have him for? Um, it could, It's definitely going to get better, I think. Um, but just – I think that this is – Can't get much worse. Here. Yeah, it's very sad. It, like whenever somebody brings up Joey Votto, I just usually, especially on Twitter, I just kind of go by it because I just don't want to think about it. It's like, like me having a, an insane problem in my life that I'm just going to avoid at all costs. Yeah, it sucks because Votto's just been the, the model of consistency, like just great for baseball, not just fantasy baseball, just baseball, and it just kind of all has gone away. Um, you mentioned you'd, you'd take a gamble on maybe Dietrich over Votto. Let's have a little fun with this. Would you rather have rest of season? CJ Cron or Joey Votto? Cron. Dan Vogelbach or Joey Votto? Vogelbach. Brandon Belt or Joey Votto? Um, Belt. Yeah. Okay. That's that's where we are, folks. <laughs> that's where I am at least. I mean, it, no, I it's pretty. It's pretty bad. You, how about this one? Okay. Say say Votto's riding the bench because you're hoping to turn things around, and Nate Lowe is on the the. The, the waiver wire. Would you rather grab Nate Lowe and stash him, or hold on to Joey Votto? Probably stash Nate Lowe. <laughs> yep, that's that's what I that's what I would do. I just wanted to throw it out there to kind of give everybody a full scheme of yeah uh, of what's going on here. There's not basically the moral of the story here. There's not many options that we're keeping Votto over someone else right now. So yeah, even Ryan McMahon, like Ryan McMahon, I would take over Joey Votto, <laughs> right which is now. crazy. Which is crazy because like every Sunday, I'm like half about ready to drop him for someone else on, but that's 15 teams also. But I'm, yeah. I have I've tempted to drop him, and, and it's very very tilting that whole Rockies deal, which I should have known going into it. That's what the Rockies do. The Rockies mess with our emotions. That's what they, they do. do. They do. We should have known this. I mean, I'm I'm a Garrett Hampson guy, and obviously that was um <laughs> not working out at least right now. But yeah. Yeah, very, very tilting. Um, Harold Ramirez, and I'll be totally honest with you, I'm not like a diehard prospect guy like a lot of the uh, other guys are, like you guys are at Friends of Fantasy Benefits. I love prospects. I enjoy them. I had no idea who Harold Ramirez was, and he has just been on fire his first 14 games, hitting 400. He had good in the minors earlier this year and last year. Um, What are we thinking with this guy? Because so far, so good. Uh, to be honest, I don't really look at the Marlins lineup much, and you know, I know <laughs> I know very little about Harold Ramirez. With that said, I mean, you know, NL only ad right now, just based on the fact that he's probably going to play, and he's done well in his very you know limited amount of time. Um, you know, the thing that I would say with him is, you know, he's somebody that is he's got a good amount of size on him. I've only seen him bat like twice. So I, I, you know, don't, again, don't take my uh, advice necessarily, you know, wholeheartedly here, but um, he does have some pretty decent plate skills. I like his um, swing overall. I think that he's somebody that can be like possibly serviceable in NL only formats and maybe more, um, you know, but right now we're at the point where, you know, he's had a little bit over 60, 70 plate appearances. He hits the ball on the ground a ton. And, um, you know, but he hits it hard. So like, you know, while he's making really hard contact, it, a lot of it's been on the ground. He hasn't really offered anything in terms of pop. Um, but with that said, like he does have a little bit of speed. He hasn't, doesn't have a stolen base yet, but he does have a little bit of speed. Um, it looks like he's going to hit for a pretty decent batting average, despite the fact that he doesn't walk. Um, but makes a lot of contact, a lot of hard contact. We'll see how it goes. I think that he's a, a probably a decent add in like, NL only if I'm in a 15 team, low team league right now, though, I'm probably not adding him. Yeah, it, it, it's a tricky one, but something to keep in mind. DFS plays, maybe. Value DFS play. Sure. Um, yeah. I mentioned CJ Cron earlier. I've pretty much got your idea on your thoughts on him now, but, you know, hitting 270 now on the season after tonight's action, 13 homers. He's really – May has been a big month for CJ getting it going, and, and he's right on line to, to kind of duplicate or maybe outperform most of his stats from last year with the Rays, where I said it when they traded him to Tampa Bay. I was excited because – for once, he'll get to play a full season. There's no one in his way to screw this up. And he dominated and did his thing. Are you buying into uh, CJ pretty much duplicating last year all over again? 
Yeah, I mean, he, you know, his 12th home run uh, a couple, like over a week ago, and he's top, he's at the time, he was top 20 in barrel percentage, um, 30 points under his expected Woba. He's hitting the ball harder than ever in his career. He's showing improved plate skills. He has a career high walk rate. Um, He's chasing less. Um, I just think that he is just improving. And I don't know. I mean, I thought the Rays did a lot of good things for him and maybe part of his success this year is from what he learned from the Rays. But Rocco Baldelli is somebody that was on the Rays for, you know, a couple of years as a coach and the twins at large are doing insane things offensively. So I think that this kind of falls in line with that is Crone necessarily a you know top 15 guy at the position rest of the way. No, but um, I do think that he's somebody that is going to be able to provide power for you the rest of the way and is going to play a lot more regularly than I would have thought early on, especially you know before the season started. So I think that he's definitely a worthwhile play. He's probably going to be a solid you know corner infielder slash first baseman the rest of the season as well. I don't know where he's at in the uh, player radar, but I would assume he's somewhere. Yeah, he's 17th right now. I bet that he finishes somewhere in that vicinity um, when the season's all said and done. Yeah, big fan of Crone. Um you know, Josh Bell's been on fire. Do you think Josh Bell cools down enough and Crone outperforms him the rest of the way, or are you a believer in Josh Bell? No, Josh Bell's insane, and he's a, a monster. There's no way I'm – yeah. <laughs> you, want, you want to talk monsters? Let's talk Dan Vogelbeast. This guy is <laughs> a big, big man. Hit his 15th home run. I believe I saw a stat. He's like the second or third guy ever to hit one of the upper decks where he hit one in uh, Safeco. It absolutely just moonshot. And the question's always been with Vogelbach. We knew the power's always been there, but was he going to get consistent playing time? And I don't know if it's lucky for it's lucky for him. I don't know if it's lucky for the t- players on the Mariners. Guys keep getting hurt to allow him to keep getting playing time. In a in a world where everyone gets healthy, are you concerned with Vogelbach losing time, or are they going to keep finding them spots out there? Um, it kind of depends on where they are in the race too. The, right now, I think that they can't necessarily rule themselves out of competing as a team, but if they, if they find themselves really kind of losing out on this race here, then I do think that they will play him a, a little bit more than they could, than they have currently with that said, you know, he's going to play against righties the majority of the time, you know, the last couple of years, he's only had like 20 ish plate appearances against lefties. So he's going to end up playing the majority of the time against righties, mostly at DH. I think when there's problems is when, you know, obviously they play in the NL park, which is seldom, but um, his power's legit. He, you know, the 15 home runs, I wouldn't have necessarily predicted him having 30 before the season started just based on playing time alone. But Walks at an insane rate, um, always been something that he's done in the minor leagues as well. His power metrics are off the charts. He hits the ball in the air a ton, 54% fly ball rate this year. I like him a lot. I mean, there's no reason to really doubt that he's going to continue, not going to continue doing what he's doing. He's going to continue to play against righties. Um, the division isn't necessarily great in terms of the pitching that's offered in there. Um, but I do think, I do believe in his overall skill set. Players that walk a lot tend to have, uh, that's a good parameter for power hitters. And, you know, Volkabach is certainly a hefty, hefty power hitter. So I believe in it. Yeah, well, it's more fun with this now. CJ Crone or Dan Volkabach rest of the season? Dude, that's brutal. I, I would probably bank on Crone just because he's been more yep. consistent in his career, but it wouldn't surprise me if Vogelbach out earned him. Yeah, it's going to be real close. I'd go Crone. Basically, the biggest tiebreaker for me is I'm more confident in his playing time. That's one mm-hmm. thing that kind of stands out for me. But uh, yeah, I think that one's going to be darn close come season's end. That's like a kind of, about a kind of downer. Danny Jansen, catcher for the Toronto Blue Jays. I was a big fan of his coming into the season. I've been duped, apparently, hitting a buck 63 on the year. About a week or so ago, it looked like he was going to turn things around. That's not happening as he's gone hitless in six straight games now. Uh, there's people out there saying they just can't cut him. They believe in him. I cut him a while ago. Are you just giving up on Danny Jansen or do you have any – are you seeing anything that just resembles a glimmer of hope? <laughs> no. If there's a pulse, then I haven't found it yet. He's uh, yeah, I sent him to bad. the morgue and you know, I started making funeral plans. Like I'm, I'm pretty much over – what he's been doing this year, which is unfortunate because I think he was like kind of a darling sleeper option as a top 10 possibility for this year at the position, but he's just really regressed from what he showed in a little limited sample last season. And that's why just prospect growth is not something that we can expect every season. I mean, it takes time. Sometimes people don't pan out. Um, I do believe in Jansen though long-term. I still think in like keeper dynasty formats, it's worth 
grabbing him for a very, very, very low cost at this point, because I think that that's what you could be able to get him for. Um, but with that said, the rest of the year and redraft leagues, there's no way that you can roster him. Not at least right now. I, you have to wait. Yeah. The only thing that he's done well is hit the ball hard. And that's like a little bit over league average. And then he's, he has a decent walk rate. Like that's literally all we can say he's done uh, this season. Outside of that, we're really looking at nothing. So he's been a, a massive negative to your team. If you've held on to him this long. Yeah, it's been brutal. Very, very brutal. Another guy that's kind of letting people down, Christian Walker. He went deep today in Coors. That's his first home run since May 13th. It's been brutal. Averages down to like 243, 245. Now has nine homers on the year. Wasn't too long ago when everyone thought, oh, man, here he goes. The guy we want to see. And then it disappeared. Uh, Kevin Cron got the call. Not getting a lot of playing time, though. What are you doing with Christian Walker? I'm not really a believer in him like others have been. I, You know, when you just don't make contact, it's like kind of a problem for me. And there's a difference between not making contact like Joey Gallo and then not making contacts like Christian Walker. You know, with Joey Gallo, I have at least multiple years of evidence that he's able to hit, you know, a little bit over 200 and have 40 home runs. Um, with somebody like Walker, you know, yes, he has eight home runs right now or nine, I guess. Um, but I just, you know, this month he's hitting 170 and the contact is the same as it was in April, which is, you know, 66% in April, 64% this month. He does hit the ball incredibly hard when he does make contact, but it was only a matter of time when people were going to kind of figure him out a little bit. Um, I'm not writing the season off for him saying that he's not going to have value this year. I'm, you know, that's not what I'm saying at all, but I am saying that even with him making improved contact from his career track record, I don't necessarily buy him as being a top, you know, 15 option at the position. You know, right now he's, I think, outside of where or where Crone was going. Actually, yeah, he's 25th right now at the position. And I think that that's probably where he'll sit when the season ends, maybe a little bit worse. But, you know, I just, if you can't hit, um, then that's like a massive problem for me. Then you're automatically striking out over 35% of the time. And that just really, really puts me in a bind when I'm thinking about, you know, having you be on my team and all that type of stuff. So, in short, don't really have a lot of exposure of Christian Walker unless he's going to face a lefty at some point, and then I might be on board. But even in that case, he's hit better against righties this year than he has against lefties. So, you know, where do we go from here? Yeah, no, it's, it's a mess. It's a mess. So, uh, yeah, I'm dropping him in uh, most leagues these days, unless the deeper leagues are there. Then you hang on and see what happens. Uh, a couple guys I wanted to ask you about before I get back to the outline. You mentioned their names. and um, Lourdes Gurriel Jr., this is a guy I was huge on at draft season. Obviously, it did not pan out. He went back to the minors. But since his return, absolutely raking. He's hit in every game since May 24th. That's six straight games um, with four home runs over those six games, just crushing everything right now. I know, you know, this is this is kind of out-of-this-world production, but we saw a lot of this towards the end of last year before he got hurt, how good he can be. What are we doing with Lourdes Gurriel? Like, what, are you, what are your expectations for Lourdes Gurriel right now? Yeah, I mean, I think it's safe to say that he's obviously streaky. Um, last year in July, he hit over 400 with four home runs. And then he had a month of August. I don't know if it was injury related. I can't really remember off the top of my head. But he only got you know 25 at-bats that month and hit 125. And then he came back up in September, I'm assuming. And then he hit you know about 260 with another four home runs. I think that that just shows that he is somebody that has been consistently streaky throughout his you know young career. Uh, this year... He is making better contact than ever before. Um, I really believe in the plate skills as well. He's you know walking a little bit more than he did in a you know little bit larger sample last season. Uh, the strikeout rate is about the same. He's going to continue to strike out about twenty five percent of the time. But with that said, I like that he has multi multiple multiple position eligibility. I also like that he is able to you know hit some home runs. I think you know he's got a little bit of speed in there as well. The Blue Jays are going to play him. I think that they, the only reason they sent him down is just because he was so awful to begin the season. But I you know if all things are equal, I think the Blue Jays want to develop him and you know see what they have in him. So you know to me, check mark on playing time, check mark on ability. Um, the only one thing that I would just kind of caution is if you're in a head to head league. I wouldn't necessarily count on consistency. So um, that's probably the main issue with him. Um, but if, as, as far as expectations, I think that he can hit another, what, 10 to 15 home runs the rest of the season, get you another couple of stolen bases, hit about 260 to 270, and that'll play. Yeah, that'll play for sure. So, yeah, I'm a big fan of that. Only owned about 20% of ESPN leagues, about 35% of Yahoo leagues. So I saw him get picked up in, you know, TGFBI quite a bit this past week, but – 
he's probably out there in a lot of other leagues for people, especially, you know, 12 teamers and whatnot. You mentioned the multi-position eligibility coming handy. I think there's a lot to like there with a guy like Lourdes Guriel the rest of the way. Would let's have some fun with this. Would you rather Lourdes Guriel or Derek Dietrich the rest of the way? A Dietrich. Okay. Okay. So you're 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 more gung-ho on Dietrich and probably understandable. So I got that there. Let's go to uh the Houston Astros real quick. Derek Fisher, you mentioned his name. Since getting called up, he has led off for the, the, the Astros in four straight games, went 0 for yesterday, but prior to that, hit, uh, hits in his previous three games. We know the pedigree's there, just hasn't really panned out in the bigs where it has in the minors. Um, Springer's coming back soon, so it might be a, a short stint. But, you know, say say Fisher gets a run here. Do you have any desire to go grab a guy like Derek Fisher? I mean, I still have him in the back of my mind. I... <laughs> I can't really pick him up in good faith right now just because I do think Springer comes back and Fisher is probably maybe not the first one to go, um, probably either Straw or Mayfield go down. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm keeping my eye on Fisher, and this has been somebody that I've liked for a long period of time at this point. I love guys, you know, similar to um, – I forgot who we were talking about earlier, but either way, like I like guys that have a little bit of power, a little bit of speed, and uh, also can make consistent contact. Um, Fisher is obviously, you know, went a little bit back and forth in terms of his contact profile throughout the minor leagues, and you know, especially in the pros last year, you know, in his limited time, he had like almost a 50% strikeout rate. So he's, he's had some lapses in that department. But um, in short, I really – like the fact that he offered some stolen base upside in a landscape where we need some of that and uh, also offers some pop as well. So I'm keeping my eye on him. If I'm in a deeper league where I know I need to be like a week or two ahead of the game, then yeah, maybe I'll throw a little, a, a small bit on him just to see if I can uh, grab him and see what happens. I'm um, kind of paid to, to watch what happens and see another card as you will. But um, as far as like his overall outlook, the rest of the way, I don't think we can be that optimistic just because the, the roles are already cemented in place for Houston in the outfield. I mean, they said they have George Springer, they have Josh Reddick, they have Michael Brantley. They play Jake Marisnik against uh, lefties. Like it's pretty much set in stone. So um, they have obviously have Tony Kemp there to like, you know, play multiple positions and pinch run, et cetera. But so if, if Fisher was going to get a lot of run, it would have to be injury based. And I'm not saying it's out of the question based on Springer being injured now. And you also have Michael Brantley on the team. Um, but you also have Kyle Tucker, Kyle Tucker down the minors too. And that's only a matter of time before he comes up Jordan Alvarez as well. So like, there's just so many options plus the fact that he's been inconsistent with his skills. Then that kind of gives me some pause. Yeah, no doubt about it there. You mentioned Josh Reddick, the dude's hitting like crazy good batting average and being very productive. And for a while there, he was leading off before Fisher started getting the lead off spot. Um, if Reddick's out there and he's out there in a lot of leagues right now, are you, are you maybe deeper leagues probably, but are you looking at a guy like Josh Reddick? Yeah, I always, I mean, I've, I've had him multiple times just as a stopgap option. He's never been somebody that I've necessarily kept on my team all year, but in certain scenarios, there's always just been a time in every single year that I played fantasy baseball almost that I've picked up Josh Reddick for some sort of reason. And, you know, the main thing is that he's in, on a, a team that really hits very well. And he also is going to play, you know, the really the strong side of the platoon um, as well. So, you know, right now he's hitting 291 against righties this year. Um, that was after struggling against righties last season, 314, 322, 289, 280, the four years prior against right-handed pitching. So that's usually why I end up with him on my teams a lot of times, just for a short stint, because he can always kind of rake against righties and kind of get me through whatever issues I'm having. Yeah, no, fair enough. If I told if I told you who is this pitcher, and you know who it is, but if someone listening, I said this pitcher is seven and one with a near thirty percent strikeout rate, a two eight five ERA, a three point eight x FIP, I think you might agree with me here, uh, Mike. You wouldn't have guessed Lucas Giolito when I said that at the beginning of the season. That wouldn't have been a guess. Are you buying into this? Because a lot of people are, and I'm not disagreeing with them. I just want to get your opinion. Is this the new Lucas Giolito we're seeing right now? This absolutely is. I actually just made a trade the other day. I was in, in dire need of saves, and you know, I understand that. I, you know, I'm throwing my trades out there, and whatever you can judge me how it is. But um, I traded was it Jack Flaherty for Scott Oberg and uh, Lucas Giolito. That's how much I, I like that. Giolito. I like that man. Um, That's a great. And, I'm, I'm worried about Flaherty, but sorry, continue. Yeah, yeah, there's a couple of things to worry about with Flair. Not not necessarily to the point where I think that he's going to be a bad starting pitcher the rest of the way. But I do like, A, I like the division that Giolito's pitches in. That yeah, you know, really, big. really helps. It does. Um, you know, facing Detroit, Kansas City, Chicago, or not Chicago, <laughs> but um, Cleveland right now is a really 
good thing. And obviously he faces Minnesota and that's, you know, a whole other story. But the thing I like most about Giolito is he has scrapped his sinker entirely, his God awful sinker and just thrown the fastball more. And he's thrown his slider more, uh, well, about the same as he was last year. And then the change up more as well. Um, the velocity is ticked up, which is a favorable sign. And I just, overall, we are seeing just a whole new pitcher that I have never seen before. And, you know, yes, there was pedigree involved with Giolito and, Maybe this is just another example of just us as a community not taking our time with this. Um, and do I think he's necessarily this good, a 2.85 ERA? No, I think he's more of like a three and a half guy, but I can live with that. Um, he three and a half is great in this, in this era. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Um, you know, so he's up to his swing. He's getting more whiffs than ever before, um, mainly because of the repertoire change. He's striking out more people than ever before by a big margin. And um, he's not giving up as many home runs either. And, you know, maybe some of that is in part due to the division that he plays in. But, um, you know, if you look at some of the teams, I mean, he just shut out Houston the other day, a complete game, you know, one, one walk, nine strikeouts. And when you look through his game logs, it does get a little bit dicey. You have like KC in there three times. Uh, you have Toronto in there twice. You have Cleveland. You got Seattle. What well, that was at the beginning of the season, he kind of got shelled a little bit. New York, he had a little bit of issue. So we very well could see him start facing a little bit more stiffer competition and getting you know a little bit worse results. Uh, but with that said, I really like what he's done and I like what he's doing. Last year he had 170 innings pitched, so I think that the White Sox are on board with letting him just go, and he very well could have another. 100 and what 40 innings like he could throw 200 innings this year and he's one of the small candidates or yeah small amount of candidates that actually is a possibility of doing that um so yeah i really like giolito just from the sense that love his division love his repertoire change um uptick in velocity i just think that there's and and also just the avenue for him to possibly want to be one of the few pitchers that throws 180 190 200 innings um so yeah i'm i'm very much in on giolito and I'm, i'm really hoping that it works out yeah, that, that uh, Astros start was just amazing. And then he backs it up. You know, everyone was saying there's no way he can do it again. You know, Kansas City comes out. I think it was Alex Gordon at a three-run homer in the first inning. And people were like, oh, here we go. Geo's back. And then he just proceeded to deal for six more innings and just shut them down. I think he had eight-plus Ks again. It, it was three just, <laughs> Yeah, it was ridiculous what he did. Like, it was back to just being like, you know what? This is what Verlander, this is what the big boys do. Scherzer, they give up home runs because they're going to challenge these guys and they're going to go for it. And if it works out for you, great. Otherwise, I'm going to deal and do my thing. And that's what he showed me that start. That was that was almost more impressive to me. I know it sounds crazy. Like obviously, the Astros shutout was very, very impressive, and it is more impressive than what he did. But the fact that Giolito let that homer go and just deal, we hadn't seen that very often from him, and that is big for me going forward. Um, you know, he came over the Adam Eaton deal again. He was once the number one overall pick. Another big prospect that came with him. This can be just a quick answer if you want. Ronaldo Lopez, it's like last year with Giolito, we saw some signs of improvements, but still some blowups. With Ronaldo, we see signs at times and then still blowups, and the K rate's not even close to Gio's right now. But, you know, he had 188 innings last year. Do you think there's, you know, eventually Ronaldo gets there? And this is just pure speculation, but there, there's always a hope for me that he does this, but it's just, it's not consistent with him. Yeah, I do think he's worth at least uh, speculating on just based on his upside. I mean, he does always have a good amount of velocity. And, you know, while he doesn't have strikeout stuff right now, he you know has done that in the past. He's one of the ones, Lopez, that I just I really have difficulty solving because he kind of reminds me of like Ruby De La Rosa. Not so, you know, maybe not necessarily in profile, <laughs> but he like just he's just infuriating. <laughs> That's the way De La Rosa was for different reasons. I mean, De La Rosa was more of like an injury played guy, but um, Lopez I've, I've watched and I've been like, wow, he is really stellar. He just, if he's on, he is about as good as anyone in the game. And then there's other days where he's facing somebody like Kansas city and he gets hit for 12 hits and five earned runs. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? Um, you know, so, you know, at large, you know, he still continues to get a good amount of whiffs. It's, you know, not necessarily a strikeout per inning, but it's close to that. But he just gives up a ton of fly balls. He has trouble getting ahead in counts. Um, he also has, you know, issues with walks. He's going to continue to give up home runs because he has no idea where the ball is going. And I think that that just is going to end up being his uh, overall 
kind of storyline the rest of the way or the narrative that we paint for him. Uh, just somebody that is erratic, gives up home runs. Um, with that said, like somebody that does generate a good amount of whiffs can give you a good amount of upside, especially in you know DFS from time to time whenever he's a good price yeah. and you know it, and you're in a tournament. But um, with that said, he also is just prone to so many blowups. Um, you know. Baseball HQ does a thing called uh, pure quality starts and you know, they have like a dominant and disaster percentage. And you know, right now he has had 17% dominant outings and 67% disaster outings, which you know, usually yeah. you want consistency where you're not having disaster starts. And he is just, uh, he's getting shelled almost seven times out of 10. Yeah, that's, that's not good. Not good at all. Let's talk about a guy that we're used to getting shelled, but if you look at his game logs, He's only given up more than three earned runs in a start twice this year. He's started 11 games. And I'm talking Dylan Bundy, and it's not pretty. I get it. But he's striking guys out. He's putting together quality starts for the most part. He's not getting six innings in a lot, on a lot of these starts. But he's not getting destroyed like years past. And he's been pretty fantasy viable of late. Are you buying into this? Or are you just like, nope, I'm staying far, far away from Dylan Bundy? Well, similar to... Lopez, he's going to continue to give up home runs. That's just going to be, I think, his calling card at this point. Um, like Giolito, though, he he has pretty much ditched the two-seamer slash sinker that he's had, and uh, he's thrown more change-ups. You know, overall, I just don't – you know, he's going to continue to be erratic. He's not going to get wins. Um, but the change-up, I like. Uh, he, you know, he has almost a 17% swing strike rate on the pitch. Um, you know, for the season, he has a 13% swing strike rate overall, which is about what he put up last year. So he does strike out a good amount, uh, about a batter per inning, which obviously helps for fantasy. With that said, the team is awful. The defense is awful. And he's going to continue to give up home runs because the division he pitches in, um, also because of the park that he pitches in. And, um, you know, just overall as somebody that's been erratic from a command standpoint. Um, with that said, I've, I've seen worse. I think that he's going to be fairly serviceable. He'll probably end up with like a four, five ERA right now. It's a four five, eight. Like I think that he could up it to like a four for a while and then he's going to get shelled and it's going to go down to a four, five. And, you know, so it, when we meet in the middle, I think it's going to end up being like a four, three to four, five ERA, but it's going to come with decent strikeout. De- decent amount of strikeouts, um, a you know controlled walk rate. Not as it's kind of teetering on the below average scale, uh, but he's going to continue to give up home runs, and that's uh, really I think the head scratching part of all this is somebody that has had good stuff pretty much throughout his whole career, just has never really been able to figure it out from a home run rate perspective. Just this is probably going to be the fourth year in a row that he gives up one point four home runs per nine or more, and it's just kind of mind boggling. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. The last guy I'm going to ask you about. Because I got to get one raised question in here. I already mentioned um, we talked Ryan McMahon, how much I I feel like I need to drop him from time to time. Sammy retweeted it out the other day, and I think about it almost every Sunday, fab time. Jose Alvarado, I drafted him with such high expectations. I know I was not the only one. And his stuff is electric. He's had some issues this year that we haven't seen in years past. And the biggest issue for me is he's not getting many save chances. What are you doing from a fantasy perspective with Jose Alvarado? Well, I have him in a couple leagues, and I'd say the shallowest format I have him in is a 12-team league. And I still think when it's all said and done, he ends up with more saves than anybody else on the Rays roster. The problem with that is it might be that he ends up with like 17 and the second place guy like Diego Castillo, for instance, ends up with like 14. <laughs> you know, um, so you, you he Split might not jumps. cap. Yeah, he might not cap 20 saves. Um, and he's also been, I mean, insanely erratic the last few uh, out- appearances that he's had. I mean, it's just, it's getting out of control. Um, the amount that he's been walking guys. I mean, he has six walks in his last 2.2 innings pitched. He's he's really, I, I think teams are starting to understand that his stuff is so nasty that they can just kind of sit there and take pitches and that's probably not going to end up in the strike zone because it's going to move so much he has a 51 percent first pitch strike rate and a uh, 6.2 walk per nine so that tells me that like people are just really spitting on everything and letting it you know go out of the zone he's going to continue to walk guys with that said he doesn't really give up any home runs and he is just straight lethal from a pitch stuff perspective i mean there's nobody out there that can throw a hundred mile an hour sinker slash two seamer just completely out of the strike zone looks like a frisbee um that's that's literally what he possesses so i mean i know i'm a race fan i'm looking at it with you know rose colored lenses but 
overall, I think Alvarado's going to be fine. Um, he's going to definitely help your ratios once he gets through this whole spell of uh, not getting the ball over the plate. And uh, he's also going to notch you a few stays. But I definitely wouldn't expect him to be somebody that just helps you in that category alone. He's maybe somebody that you can pair with a decent player and then trade uh, to get, you know, either a more established closer or, you know, a more established hitter p- hitting piece for your team, whatever it might be. But I- I'd be willing to deal with him. Um, but it wouldn't be lightly though, because I do think he's going to help you from a, from a ratios perspective. And he's going to notch a few saves. He's kind of like, you know, Josh Hader before he got the closer role, um, but with not nearly the same ERA and um, you know, not even necessarily the same strikeout skills as well, but just kind of in that same vein of, Really good high leverage reliever. Um, you know, he's struggling a little bit not right now, so it's a hard argument to say, but um, going to be a little bit erratic with the walk rate, but still somebody that is useful, but not necessarily in all formats, like 10 teamers, for instance. Yeah, I like that. So not droppable, but definitely tradable to upgrade. I, I like that. That's a good way to take it because that's why I have to be able to get rid of him because the ratios and the strikeout upside are just tremendous there that even if he's not getting you the saves, he's helping you everywhere else. So it's tough to just kind of give up on a guy like that with so much mediocre, like, starting pitching out there. Like, what what are you going to drop to improve your roster for with Jose Alvarado? That's the that's always been the bugaboo. So I just thought I'd get your opinion from a guy that I know has watched a lot more of his outings than myself. So I wanted to get your thoughts on that one. Yeah, I've been a little worried recently. I mean, this whip is now up to 148, which I didn't actually realize until right this second. Um, so it's oh, been no, a the little last, right The last week or so has been rough. Yeah, it really has been. It's not been rough in the sense that, like, he looks bad because his pitches are still just – they're always getting, you know, gifs from uh, Pitching Ninja. Like, everybody's still touting how – I mean, actually, my – you know, one of my Twitter avatars is Jose Alvarado. That's how much I love the guy. Um, but at the same time, like, his stuff has just been uh, – just been spit on by everybody else. I mean, they're just essentially daring him to throw it in the strike zone, and um, he almost can't sometimes. <laughs> his yeah. stuff moves – that much it's kind of it kind of reminds me of like a left-handed version of carlos marmol which um you know <laughs> i know i know i'm just coming out with these crazy references tonight and uh whatever I but like it. it's, it's it. kind of the same thing like marmol had no idea where the ball was going especially during his like prime years and um alvarado is kind of the same way but if he I do believe that he will get into a groove like he did last season. And it's going to be like two months of just straight filth and um you know hopefully he's on your team when that happens. Yep, we shall wait and see, but uh, that'll wrap us up for tonight, Mike. Always a pleasure chatting with you. Before I sign this off, why don't you let everybody know where they can find you and what you got coming up? Yeah, yeah, I appreciate you having me on. Again, it's always a lot of fun. Um, you can check me out on Twitter, at Mike Warner, FWFB, uh, friendswithfantasybenefits.com. That's uh, the site I own with uh, Matt Thompson and Justin Mason. You can uh, check out the Roto Write-Up. I do that a couple times a week on Fangraphs or Rotographs.com and also my daily matchups column on Mondays on Baseball HQ. Awesome, man. It's always a pleasure chatting with you. We'll have to do it sooner than later next time. But uh... Thanks for joining me tonight, and everybody go give Mike a follow on Twitter at MikeWernerFWFB. All right, everybody, this was Ben Sabubba, episode 175. We'll catch you guys later. Mm-hmm.